0: this morning amen we serve a good god amen hey well in psalms 84 and verses 1 and 2 it says how lovely is your dwelling place O lord of hosts my soul longs yes faints for the courts of the lord my heart and flesh sing for joy to the living god and verse 10 says this for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell of the tents of wickedness. So, you know, I think about this, the courts of the Lord, this theme of the courts of the Lord. And to me, it, it represents his house, but the presence of God, a place where God dwells, amen. And I don't know about you, but I just want to be closer to him each and every day. I need him each and every day. And as we continue to worship this morning, I just encourage you, hey, let your heart connect with the Father because he loves you so much and he wants to be near you this morning.
1: sure into-
2: of our praise this morning and he come on give Jesus a big hand today the Lord our God Yahweh one of his Old Testament names Jehovah many names of our God for reflecting different attributes of his nature and character to us but today we've come into his house to worship him we're going to continue worship just a moment and I want to encourage you don't just see this as a song service to sing but let your heart be captured in your worship That's why I lift my hands oftentimes in adoration to him. It just seems like words are not enough. Oftentimes I'll close my eyes, not searching for something mystical, but just to kind of shut the distractions out so I can just say, Lord, I love you, and i honor you today. We're going to keep worshiping, but right now we want to make an opportunity to pray for you. You know, if you have needs, struggles, problems, we've all got them, and let me know the thing to do with those problems is bring them to the Lord. And there's going to be someone in faith that's going to pray with you, believing God with you for God's answers, for God's help. One thing in particular we'd like to pray for is I was seeking the Lord yesterday about our prayer time. I felt the Lord give me the word crossroads. And I interpreted that to mean there's people at a place of decision in life, bigger decision. I mean, no, it's not a huge decision to decide if you're going to shop at Albertsons or, or Walmart. I mean, that's, you know... That's a choice, but big decisions in life, about changing jobs, about moving, about relationships that we're entering into, about investments of money. How I many know these are big things, about ministry opportunities that are before us, engaging something significant. How I many know God has a way, a plan, and a purpose? And I believe the Lord wants us to direct us into His will, His perfect will, And if you're at a place of decision in life and you want to submit that to the Lord and say, Lord, I want your will to be done, I want to encourage you to let somebody pray for you. But Regardless, we're going to keep worshiping. I'm going to ask our prayer team, if they'll slip out of their chair and they're here in the altar, to pray for you. You'll come. We'll pray for today.
1: savior all the day long. Lord we praise your name beautiful savior Lord. And I
3: this morning, make some noise. Lord, we thank you. God, we thank you this morning. Amen. If you would, just level a couple people around you and make your way back to your seats this morning. Welcome to Church on the Rock. We're so happy you're here worshiping with us today.
0: In the chair back in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church.
1: Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in.
3: Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities.
0: If you are a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop it in the offering, or you can take it across the hall to the Connect Room where you will receive a free gift bag.
1: Don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe.
3: We're so glad you're here and we hope you know that there's always a place for you at Church on
1: the Rock. Here's what's happening at Church on the Rock. On Sunday we have our breakthrough prayer from 6 to 7 p.m. in the COTR Sanctuary. Join us for a powerful night of prayer and worship. On Sunday, May 29th, we have our annual Church on the Rock Memorial Day Car Show. There will be all styles of cars, family fun, games, prizes, inflatables, and great food. This is a huge event that takes a lot of volunteers. If you would like to help, you can sign up in the foyer.
2: We want to give you a quick update on Imagine More. This is my daughter, Bethany. She's the kids director upstairs. And I'm thrilled to tell you, we just went over the half million dollar mark of cash that we've raised for Imagine More. But anyway, we need the building right now. But I got so excited the other day, I was telling, uh, I was telling the staff about some classes I wanted to start this fall. I want to start a class on evangelism and discipleship, kind of a, uh, an overview of the Bible, uh, and a class on the gift of uh, prophecy. And then my staff said...
0: We don't have any room for that. He was trying to move them upstairs, but we have the kids filling up almost every single room upstairs. And we just don't have room for three extra classes right now.
2: Anyway, we've been at this a long time, but the good news is our architect is going to be done in about eight or nine weeks with the the plans, but we need to raise some more cash. Uh, I'm asking God to give us at least a million dollars, and then that way we won't get ourselves in a bind borrowing money. But maybe God has blessed you in a very special way, and maybe part of that blessing is to be invested in His kingdom. And if you do, we hope you join with us and help us reach more people here in our County USA. Thanks. Well, praise the Lord. Hey, thanks so much, all of you that have given in any way for our Imagine More. How I many know when you invest in God's kingdom, it has an eternal value to it? And I want to encourage you, perhaps God has blessed you with wealth, and maybe you invest in His kingdom, and we'll reach more folks. Uh, I want to celebrate something. Just a couple days ago, well, actually yesterday they got back, Friday and Saturday, we had a group of our church leaders take 47 10-13 year olds. And how would you like to be with 50 kids 10-11 year, years old? Anyway, they did a purity weekend. And they spent uh, an evening and a day talking about sexual purity, about encouraging kids to make a choice towards staying a virgin until you get married, you know, all about things in the world that they don't hear from anywhere else. And it was a tremendous, tremendous weekend. Well, how many know we live in a world today, well, that's not a popular message. Sexual purity has given way in America today to immorality in any form imaginable, and it's no big deal. I was deeply disappointed this week when our president issued a letter to every public school on behalf of the Department of Justice and Department of Education, every public school in America, telling them to make a place in their restrooms, in their locker rooms, in their showers for kids that feel like they're transgendered. In other words, if you're a boy, biological boy, but you feel like a girl, he's saying every public school in America has to let that kid use any bathroom, any shower uh, that they want to. But they also, he also issued a letter on Friday saying that any, any uh, uh, hospital, anyone that, uh, doctors or hospitals that receives any kind of federal, uh, federal monies, Medicaid or Medicare, things like that, that they have to provide services for gender transitioning, and they also have to provide an abortion. Now, can I tell you, friends, these are moral issues. These are not just, you know, things that we have preferences over. They're moral issues. For our kids, it has to do with their safety. It has to do with modesty. It has to do with the privacy of the rest of the kids. I mean, our nation's headed in the wrong direction. And I want to encourage you, let your voice be heard in these issues. You know, it sometimes seems like you're helpless. Uh, I've joined the Target boycott. That seems to be uh, an effort in America as they're pushing this agenda our direction. Something else I'm going to encourage you to do is we are involved in encouraging people to support the repeal of the ordinance on the Arkansas side, bringing the same gender identity issues to Texarkana, Arkansas. And uh, these are yard signs. Uh, The vote is in about a month. And I'm going to give a whole sermon to this in the coming weeks because if it's a very, very important issue in our culture, let me reiterate the fact that we as Christians love everyone. Everyone is welcome in our church. We're not better than anyone. But let me know there's right and there's wrong. And Christian people need to stand for biblical values. So I would encourage you, pick up some of these yard signs. They've got a little deal on the bottom. You can put them in your yard, especially if you live on the Arkansas side, but also on the Texas side. Uh, if you're Texas, uh, listen, this is a debate happening around America. and It also tells our Texas side community that, hey, we don't want this same type issues on our side of the state line. So let me encourage you, after service or in the lobby, make a small donation. It'll help us pick up some more signs. God bless you and thank you.
0: I want to highlight one other thing that was in our video announcements. We got a car show coming up, Memorial Day weekend. And you should have a little ticket, invite in your bulletin, but don't look at this as just an advertisement. Look at it as an invite. And so hand these out. Look at it in some cases as a ticket to heaven. I mean, think about that. Somebody that might not come to church might come to a car show. And I'm not just saying might, they have. Because we have a little chapel service out there. People have gotten saved in that little chapel service as well as coming to church. So grab these. They're as many as you want. They're on all the tables as you exit. If you want a couple hundred or something, uh, for some reason you're going to another car show or just in an area where you can drop these off, just ask me, and we'll give you a bunch more. Also need a lot of workers and make it a great event. God bless you.
3: Amen, amen. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Everybody awake this morning? okay hey we are excited that you're here um real fast we just want to continue our worship this morning with our tithes and offerings and there's a quick story that i wanted to share out of the book of luke and every time I've read this story it's just four short scriptures but it's to me it's kind of oddly placed uh, right before this Jesus is talking about tearing down the temple and rebuilding it in 3 days and then it pauses and it gives a story about a widow woman giving something and offering and uh, I just want to read these quick scriptures to you. Uh, this is found in Luke chapter 21 verses 1 through 4 and it says Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box and he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. And there's three quick points that I want to make out of this message. And point number one is remember that God does not need our money. It is our privilege to give to him. Giving is necessary for our sake, but it's not necessary for God's sake. And and I started thinking about this. You know, sometimes we feel like, well, the the church might need our money, or God, he he places this burden on us to give 10%, and that's not it. God uh, enables us to give 10% because we know that when we give, that uh, it, it opens up blessings in our life. But point number two is a gift's value is determined by the spirit in which it is given. God doesn't want grudgingly given money or guilt money. Uh, God loves a what? A what type of giver? A cheerful giver. And, and, you know, so many times we can come and we do offering every week, but we have the opportunity to give and to bring what we have to God. And that is an awesome thing. And the last point, it says the value of a gift is determined by what it costs the giver this and uh, this is what made the widow's gift so valuable so this woman she gave uh, I mean really all that she had but going back to that second point, whenever we give, we have to make sure that we give with a cheerful and, and, and a happy heart because God's not so concerned with what we give, but how we give. And it's just the same way in serving. You can come and serve at the church or you know, in your job, but it's about our attitude and the way that we proceed doing that. But just know that um, as you give, our church, man, it turns your giving into, into ministry all over the world, all over in this community, in schools, high schools, junior highs. And we just want to encourage you. We want to thank you for being a giving church, and uh, just be blessed as you give this morning. Amen. Amen.
2: I love you today. Every good thing in my life is from you, and I just want to acknowledge it today. Thank you for your kindness and love for me. I thank you that you watch over me, Lord, and I thank you that you know everything about me, but you still love me. And we just, Lord, as your people today, just pause and say, Lord, we recognize you as the only God, as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we just pray as we open the Bible today that its words would bring life in Jesus' name. And everybody say it. Amen. Amen. Hey, give your neighbor a high five, tell him you're looking great this morning. And you may be seated. Well, turn your Bibles this morning if you'd like to begin with me in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 3. But we're going to spend most of our time today in Numbers 13 and 14. We are finishing a series today called Heroes. We've been doing the last six weeks or so. And in this series, we've learned that a hero is someone that we admire. Now, how many know everybody's got heroes? Even your little three-year-old wants to be Batman or Spider-Man. Everybody's got people that we want to be like. There's something about their character. There's something about their achievements, their accomplishments, that we want to imitate and be like them. Well, this morning, I want to talk about two of my favorites in the Old Testament, two men just like you and I. Their names were Caleb and Joshua. And they're, so they're, they're heroes because they show us how to face our problems with faith in God's Word. Let me say it again. They show us how to face our problems with a faith and a confidence in God and His Word. And it's that faith in God's promises that help us go through life's difficulties and reach our dreams. Every one of us has a calling upon our life. There's things that God has called us to do. There are dreams that we have that we feel in our heart are birthed by God's Holy Spirit. But yet at the same time, there's always an obstacle between my dream and me. It's not going to be easy. It's not just like, you know, going down a hill where you just put it in neutral. Uh, there's, there's, there's difficulties, problems, troubles, challenges that are before us. But yet God wants to see us through these things. So this is a very, very practical message this morning as you'll learn how to integrate God's promises along our journey as we go towards our dreams. Now, Exodus chapter 3, this story with Joshua and Caleb actually begins in Egypt. The Israelite people have found their way to Egypt under Joseph. They came as heroes, but now they've been slaves. They built some of the great, great projects of the pharaohs there in Egypt, the pyramids and other things that are there. But yet now they've grown to about a million and a half, two million people, and it's God's time to deliver them and take them to what's called the promised land. And as you know, the story of Israel's history, it begins with Moses. Moses was raised in Egypt. Moses had an encounter with God. He's he's run away from Egypt, and now he's experienced decades of brokenness, but yet now there's a burning bush. Moses is about to step into his life's destiny. He sees a bush on fire. If you can imagine, like a little cedar tree, four or five feet tall, and it's burning, and it doesn't stop burning. Well, somehow God had inhabited that bush, and here's what he said to Moses. He said, I've come down to deliver the Israelite people out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of a land to a good and broad land. I want you to say this with me. A land flowing with milk and honey. So this is the dream. It's the promised land. But notice now, he's going to bring them. There's going to be some opposition along the way because right now the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites live there. Tell your neighbor, aren't you glad you're not an ite? So we've got a dream, we've got God who's made a promise to give them the land, but we've got some problems in the way. Let's learn some lessons here. Uh, I've entitled the message, I Believe God, and I want to go to Numbers 13 and 14. It describes the journey, and what we're going to do is we're going to read three or four verses, and we're going to try to find a a faith lesson in each verse, something that we can apply to our own lives about our journey of faith, And God, if I've broadly entitled this section of questions, whose report will you believe? Because the context is, as we begin, you'll find that the Israelites are on the edge of the promised land. Uh, Moses is sending out spies to check it out, and they're almost at their destiny. Here's the first lesson, lesson, and it is this. It is that faith, our faith, anchors itself in a word from God. So we're going to see that faith is not like, uh, uh, you know, I really want something. It's not like an Aladdin's lamp. If I just rub it hard enough, the genie's going to come out. But our faith is, is grounded, should be grounded and attached to a promise from God, a word from God, whether it's a word about starting a business, whether it's a word about a marriage, about going to school, about starting a ministry, about God's provision. How many know God makes promises to us and He speaks to us? Numbers 13, verse 1, the Scripture says, The Lord spoke to Moses. Now when I ask you a question. How many believe that God still speaks today? Let me see your hand. It's not a trick question. It's a serious question. And I don't necessarily mean the booming voice out of heaven. I don't necessarily mean the burning bush. But how many have just been reading through your Bible, and it's like the words just jumped out on the page, and you knew God was speaking to me? Yeah, sure. Sure, the Bible says it's inspired by God. It is. It is, it is he breathed His Word, and it's life-giving to us. The Bible describes itself as a, as a life-giving book. Well, God can speak first through His Word. God can speak through just an impression in our own hearts. How many know you can find yourself in a crisis and just out of the blue, God might speak to you? I remember when I was in, about a year ago, when I was in a great, great struggle, I was having kind of, after my wife's cancer, I began to develop symptoms of anxiety and having panic attacks. It was just debilitating to me. I mean debilitating. And I grappled through this. A doctor couldn't find an easy answer. I just didn't know what I was going to be able to do. I didn't feel I was going to be able to engage life. Now, I don't know if you've ever been a spot like that, but one morning I got out of bed and it was like I heard a voice. And the voice said, after you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Yes, sir. And that was a portion of a scripture that the Lord Jesus talked to Peter about. Now, I can't tell you that it was a voice I heard with this ear, but I can tell you that I heard it in my heart, in my spirit somehow, and it was, that became an anchor to me. That became God says, you're gonna, I'm going to give you this land, Israelite people. God may speak to you through uh, the counsel of another person. You may be seeking the will of God, and God's voice might come through another person. It might come through this spiritual gift of prophecy. But I suggest to you, Jesus told us it was better that he went away because he would send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. So God is speaking. He spoke to Moses, and he said, I want you to send some men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. Now, I underline things in my Bible, and I underline that phrase. God said, I'm giving this to you. It's a promise that God made. Let me know if you tell your kids you're going to give them, I don't know what, $5 a week as an allowance. Let me know that kid is ready. He or she has got their hand out. Come on, first thing on Sunday, it's the first day of the week. I'm ready for my allowance because you told me you were going to give it to me. If you told your kids, we're going to go to the, uh, after you clean your room, we're going to go get an ice cream cone. How many know you don't have to remind that child again? That child expects you to do what you said. Well, God says, I'm going to give you the land. And and then he lists the, the 12 spies, two of which are Caleb and Joshua. Now, what I want you to see is they're this close from their dream. They're on the edge of the promised land. They have journeyed all the way from Egypt. They've gone across the Red Sea. They've gone across the, the, uh, uh, the wilderness. They're on the edge of the Jordan River. They're just about there. It's like if you've ever gone to the ocean. If, if there's a strong ocean breeze, you could be several miles from the beach, but you can still smell the salt air. I mean, you know you're getting close. And they're that close. that God, Their dream is in sight, and they're almost there. Now, what we're talking about this morning is the word faith. Faith means I trust God, I believe God, and because I believe God, I act accordingly. I do what he's told me without any other evidence. Now, how many know, I, I've heard testimonies of people, I've seen it in the lives of people, that God said them. for example, my friend in Haiti, Jay Threadgill, or, or this gal in Longview that's starting the ministry for women coming out of the sex trade industry. Uh, both, both of them said, the Lord told me he was going to give me a building, and they stepped out and ordered the building made steps to purchase it when they didn't even have the money in their hand. Now, that takes real faith to be able to do that, but that's what faith is. Faith is as real as the evidence. Faith should become as real to us as if you go online and check your bank account. Faith should become as real to us as what the bank tells us is in that account. Now, here's the second lesson. Faith expects opposition. Faith expects opposition, but it believes that God will do what he promised. Let me say it again. A person of faith doesn't deny the problems that are out there but it's going to believe God in spite of the problems. Look at verse 25. At the end of the 40 days, the spies return from spying out the land. Mind you, now, we've got 12 men come back to a million and a half, two million people, and they said, We came to the land which you sent us, and it flows with... Now, isn't that what God said he was going to do? Bring them into a land of milk and honey. It's a picture of abundance. It flows with milk and honey, and then tragically... The next verse opens with one of the most tragic words in the Bible, however. Or oftentimes you'll see, but. So at this point, they've agreed with God, but. The people of the land who dwell there, they're strong, and their cities are fortified. And without saying it, it's like saying, well, we believe God, but the spies are bigger than God. We know God told us something, but these cities are very strong and powerful, and what they've done... They've done, they've moved to their natural mind and reason and logic and experience, and they've let faith begin to slip aside. Besides that, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites, Hittites, Jebusites, here they are. The Amorites are there. Now, when it says <coughs> we saw the descendants of Anak, I want you to think about when you used to play sports in school. How many you of know there were some teams that you were afraid to play simply because of the reputation that you heard about them? I mean, the reputation was so overpowering that, golly, we can't even go out on the field because we're going to get killed, and you lost in your mind before you ever went out on the court. Well, these people of Anak, they were described as strong-necked ancestors of a race of giants. I mean, these are muscle gods. These are big people. Here's what Moses said of them in Deuteronomy 9. He said, the people are strong and tall these descendants of the famous Anakite giants. And you've heard the saying, who can stand up to the Anakites? But recognize today, say this with me, that the Lord your God will subdue them. In other words, Moses affirmed who they were, big, strong gods, but God is going to do this for you, and you'll quickly conquer them and drive them out. Here's the phrase, just as as the Lord promised. So it's the promise that becomes an anchor to you. I remember when my wife began her battle with breast cancer several years ago. I remember the first 10 days, how tumultuous they were. And her process was a couple-year process. I remember when we saw one of the surgeons, and he said, you might as well just give us your life this next year because we're going to own you. Well, before that happened, and we didn't know what was going to happen. Is she going to die? We didn't know really anything. I'm reading my Bible one day in an obscure Old Testament passage, and it said this phrase, all is well. Now, I wasn't thinking about my wife's cancer. I wasn't looking for a, quote, verse to stand on. I was just reading my Bible, and it's like my heavenly Father spoke to me. And at that point, I had a promise. It was at that point I had an anchor. It was at that point, and see, this is why we need to read our Bibles every day because God speaks to us. Well, this promise became an anchor that saw us through this storm, just like Joshua and Caleb had an anchor that they would go into the Promised Land. But unfortunately, ten spies said, "Hey, we're not going to believe what God says." Now, let's keep reading. There's always going to be obstacles, or Anakites, or giants between your dream. Here's the third one. Uh, Faith sees what others don't see. It's as if faith has eyes to see, spiritual eyes. Look at verse 30. Caleb quieted the people. Now, mind you now, we've got 10 spies. They're talking to Moses. They're talking to leaders, to elders, large groups of people. But then Caleb speaks up. He said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we're, we're, we're well able to overcome it. Let us go up right now. Let's mobilize the people by tribes. Let us cross the Jordan River and go on in because we're well able to do it. Now, what is the difference between Caleb and the other spies? Now, if you don't hear another word I say today, hear this one. Caleb and Joshua had faith in God's promise, but the other ten didn't. Two people said, yes, I believe God in spite of what the circumstances tell me. Ten said, I don't. Hebrews tells us what this faith is all about. The New Testament says this. It says, faith is the assurance of what we hope for. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It is an active word. Uh, it, 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 the New Century Version says, faith means knowing something is real even if we can't see it. Faith stares or, or looks, uh, looks at the, the doctor's report. I remember when one of her surgeons told us, he's a Christian man, thankfully, but he said, I've been specializing in cancer surgery, breast cancer surgery, specifically for 20 years, and we were talking about alternative therapies and things, and he said, this is an aggressive form of cancer. If you don't treat this this aggressively, she'll die. Now, how many know when you're looking at something like that, thank God for doctors and thank God for their care, and I believe God is the one that revealed to the doctors the skill that they have. But how many know God was the one that made the promise, and he could use a doctor or not use a doctor. God is the one that we put the anchor of our hope in. Well, this is real life stuff. Look at the fourth lesson. Faith demands we make a choice. Faith demands us to choose Either believe God or believe the circumstances. You're either going to have to stand on what God said, all is well. When you've returned to me, strengthen the brethren. I, listen, I, I had to take several months off from doing what I do because my, this, these panic attacks were so severe that I was having. My son's wedding was coming up, and I was tortured for several months thinking I couldn't even do his wedding. And as I would... F- have those feelings. I mean, know there's a difference between your feeling and your faith. These feelings would tell me I'm not going to be able to do it, but something would arise in my heart. The Scripture in Philippians, it says, I can do all things, say it with me, through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians also said, he who began the good work in me, he will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. I didn't have the strength within me, but the scripture says, when I'm weak, then I'm strong because his power works in us. It's almost like these scriptures, these promises from God became steps on a ladder to climb up to get to the top of the mountain to be able to put your foot on the head of the Amalekites to go forwards. So what I'm telling you today is not just a nice story from the Old Testament. I'm telling you how to face difficulties in life and get to the other side because God has told you you're going to get there. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Now let's read this about the choice. Verse 31, the men who'd gone up with him, the ten spies said, we are not able, which is a way of saying God's not able. We're not able to go up against the people. They're stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report. And listen to this now. They said, the land devours its inhabitants. All the people we saw are very tall, great height. And there we saw the Nephilim. We see their name mentioned in Genesis. The sons of Anak. And we seem like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. Now, what you think about this? These, the Nephilim, they, again, they're giants. They're legendary people of the past. And it's almost like these giants have grown so big in their minds that their God has grown small. Now, when they said the land devours its inhabitants, what did that mean? Now, if you're going to devour something, you're going to gobble it up. It's like you're going to go in the desert and never come back. You're going to go into the woods and never come out of the woods. But it didn't devour them. And I can virtually guarantee you they had no idea what the Nephilim thought about them. But in their minds, they're thinking they're like grasshoppers. And what they've done is they've made a choice to believe God's promise, God's word, or to believe the the circumstances that are out there. I suggest to you that their imagination had taken over. And they imagined the worst. I cannot tell you how many times, whether it was her cancer or my own struggles in life... The feeling, the thought was, I'm going to die. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to go forwards." If you don't take that thought captive, you're going to be destroyed. Because your thoughts have the potential to become reality in your life. Your thoughts have the power to define you, or you can let God's Word define you. See, the Scripture talks to us about this. The New Testament says in 2 Corinthians 10, it says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And I want you to say this with me. We take Every thought captive to obey Christ. What does that mean? That means when lies are running through your head, I still use my rubber band. I give myself a little pop there to remind me that this is a lie that I'm thinking about. And that's why there's power in declaring and speaking the Word of God. Listen, I, 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 on my desk where I study now, I do a lot of my study in my, at home, and, a study, and, and when a scripture jumps off the page at me, I write it down on a piece of paper and I put it up there, and I will say it to myself several times. I read a scripture in Isaiah the other day about God holding us by our right hand. And whenever I feel fear, whenever I feel anxiety or worry coming on me, I put my hand up in the air and I said, Thank you, Lord, that you're going to hold me by your righteous right hand. What what is that? Is that foolishness? I think not. I think it's faith, come on now, believing God's Word, believing that He is who He said He would be. Come on, somebody give the Lord a hand today. Now, let's keep going. Numbers 14, and I want to talk about a contagious disease. Doubt, fear, and unbelief are contagious. In our culture today, everywhere you go, you see little hand gel. I mean, we probably got a five-gallon jar of it around this church, in the lobby, in the cafe, you know. You put that on... All my girls, my wife and my daughters, have these little, you know, hand gel bottles, and they put them on their purse. We don't want to get germs because germs make you sick, and we know that they're contagious. Are you with me today? Well, spiritual germs are contagious as well. Numbers chapter 14. Mind you now, the picture. There's likely all these people, millions of people gathered around... We've got Moses, we've got ten spies, we've got the elders, we've got a large group of people. And the Bible says in Numbers 14:1, the people shouted and then they began to weep. They wept all night long. They cried. And then the Bible says they grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And they said, why is the Lord bringing us into this land to die by the sword? Now, isn't that just the opposite of what God promised them? But now in their minds... They have believed the lie rather than God. Wouldn't it be better for us to just go back to Egypt? Now, I want to suggest to you the power and the potential of a bad report of a lie to infect so many people. Ten people affected one to two million people. It's like one person coming into Texarkana, and then every person in Texarkana is infected with a disease. If one person has had, I don't know, tuberculosis... And that one person is allowed to go to a school, some communicable disease. And that person goes into school and coughs and coughs and coughs. Before you know it, all the kids in the school have got it, and they take it to their families. And then before you know it, they take it to their businesses, they take it to churches, they take it to movie theaters, and every person in Texarkana has the disease. No, we don't let that happen because the CDC will, will, will bring doctors and experts To play When they know there's a communicable disease outbreak, what they'll do is they will set up uh, 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 scenarios in place to isolate the disease. Well, they didn't isolate the doubt and the unbelief. They wouldn't listen to the antidote which Joshua had. They simply believed the lie, and it affected everybody. They forgot the miracles of yesterday, and they were willing to forget their dream. Let me give you another one. Faith, Faith will make us face what we fear. And trust that God can do what we can't do. If you are young in life and you've not ever met an obstacle yet that you can't get through, my friend, one day you will. One day you will face something that you can't get beyond. If you're in middle age and hadn't faced it, it's coming. Because one day, listen, that's what death is. Death is the final obstacle that you can't get over, you can't get around, you can't get under. You have to stop at its feet. But have me know that's where Jesus comes and takes us to the other side. Well, let's see what fear did. Joshua and Caleb said to all the people, the land which we pass through is a good land. If the Lord delights in us, say it with me, he will bring us into this land. How many know God has the responsibility to fulfill his promise? Just like when your kid asks you, Mommy, uh, I'm ready for my ice cream now. It's your job, come on now, to get the money, to get your purse, to get in the car, and go to Sonic and get the ice cream. God has the power to do what we cannot do on our own. We're like a helpless little four-year-old. We don't have the money and we can't drive a car, but we do have a mom that can. Come on, we do have a heavenly father that can get us there. You see, they were still in faith. They said this, don't rebel against the Lord. So now we see what they might have considered as reasonable, rational thought or a conservative outlook of the problem or an experienced, reasoned view the Bible said was rebellion. They're rebelling against the Lord. Don't fear the people of the land. Why? They're bread for us. In other words, with God, we're going to go right through them. Their protection is removed from them, and God is with us, so do not fear them. Now, isn't this the oddest thing that's unfolding? All 12 people saw exactly the same thing. But two of them interpreted it differently. And the reason they interpreted it differently is because they interpret it through the, the 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 lens, as it were. They interpret it through the lens of God's word and God's promise. If you were to take glasses, if you know, if you're real fashionable and you've got some pink glasses and you put pink glasses on, everything looks pink. If you just put dark sunglasses on, everything has a darkened hue to it. It's because you're looking through a filter. And I want to suggest to you today, we look at our problems through the filter of faith in God's Word. We see God high and lifted up. Come on. No matter how big the Amalekite is, God is bigger. Well, this is what's happening. But faith and fear divided. Here's another point. Uh, faith in God's Word, and this is, this is where it gets good for Joshua and Caleb. Faith in God's Word will open the door to our dreams. Let me say it again. My wife, bless her heart, she went with those 50 kids yesterday. She and Bethany and several other people. She was flat worn out, but can I tell you, she is not in some cancer ward somewhere. Come on, she's not in the cemetery, but she's out, come on, doing the work of the Lord, she's reached a dream because she found her heavenly Father faithful through the greatest difficulty of her life. And can I tell you, the same God who helped her will help you. The same God who helped Caleb is the same God who's helping Joshua is the same God that's speaking to us today. Uh, Listen, Numbers 14, verse 22. The tragedy was none of the men who disobeyed God's voice shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. (laughs) Verse 24. But my servant Caleb, because he has a, say it with me, a different spirit, and he has followed me fully. Don't you think about that? That's what I want in my life. How about you? I want a different spirit like that. Listen, I know what fear is like. I know what worry is like. But I also know what faith is like. And let me know, it's much better to walk in faith. It's much better to sleep at night with peace because faith has visited you rather than toss and turn all night long because you're scared to death what's going to happen tomorrow and you can't do anything about it. Can I tell you, friend, our faith helps us plug in to God above and God can do what we could never do for ourselves. Caleb had a different spirit. He followed God fully. You see, faith is not just believing, but faith is acting. God says, I'm bringing you into the land. And look at the good part here. Your children, your descendants are going to possess it. And what I want you to see today is Caleb, Joshua, and their families realize their dream because they believe God. And can I tell you what, friend, they're my heroes today because I can be just like them. Come on, somebody give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy of our praise. I say, we can be just like them. Well, the New Testament tells us that. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13. Listen to this now. Why don't you say this? It says, we have the... Say this with me. Same spirit of faith. Come on, say it again. We have the same spirit of faith. Look at your neighbor and tell them. We have the same spirit of faith. According to what has been written, the word of God, I believed... And so I spoke. We believe, and so we speak. And that's exactly what you saw Caleb do. He didn't just think it in his head. He spoke it out loud. I'm telling you, when I face fearful times, the last few days, I read that scripture about a week ago in Isaiah. When I have a little twinge of fear, I put my hand in the air and say, Father, would you take my right, my right hand now just as you said you would? Or I say, Father, thank you that you're taking my hand. You say, oh, that's the power of positive thinking. No, it's not. It's the power of believing God's Word. Come on. It's the spirit of faith that not only believes but speaks. I'm going to close with this thought. Uh, Faith is willing to wait. Now, this is my least favorite of all the lessons. But faith sometimes has to wait. We're We're in Numbers now. We're in the end of Numbers, Numbers chapter 32, and it's kind of a summary here. God again speaking, Surely none of the men who came out of Egypt shall see the land that I swore to give them, because they have not wholly followed me, none except Caleb and Joshua, for they, fully fo- they wholly follow the Lord. And the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel. Notice the phrase, He made them wander in the wilderness, how long? Forty years, Forty years until all the generations that had done evil in the Lord's sight were gone. So what's that saying to you? That's saying, after the two stood with God and the ten said no, God said, everybody that's here today, all two million people, are going to walk in circles for 40 years. And in those 40 years, every grown man among you is going to die. And after the last one of that generation has died, then your children, led by Joshua and Caleb, are going to step into the promised land. But here's what I want you to see in this passage. Joshua and Caleb had to waste 40 years of their life waiting. I don't want to use the word waste. They had to walk for 40 years, continuing to encourage the people that God's going to take us there as one by one these other people begin to die. And here's the lesson that I want you to learn from this today. Listen, because of the sin of their friends, they had to wait. And let me know people of faith often have to wait until God's timing is right. Sometimes we wait because we're waiting on someone else. But how many know Abraham had to wait for a long time to have a child? God told Abraham that he would have a baby in his old age, and he waited decades, and that child finally came. He was the father of faith. How many know Joseph as a 17-year-old boy? Joseph had to wait. As a 17-year-old boy, he had a dream, as Pastor Nick comes. Joseph had a dream as a 17-year-old boy. And his dream was that one day he would rule the world. Well, guess what? He had to wait until he was 30, and then that dream comes to pass. How about the disciples in the New Testament? Jesus has been crucified. They're scared to death. How many know they had to wait for three days for everything to turn around? And after the resurrection happened, how many know that Jesus said, I want you to wait until the city of Jerusalem, until the Spirit comes? How many know they had to wait until the day of Pentecost? And they just showed up every day praying, every day serving the Lord, every day doing what God had called them to do. And then suddenly the Holy Spirit was poured out. How many know you and I as Christians are waiting today for the second coming of Christ? See, waiting is a part of what we do. But we don't wait worrying. We don't wait in unbelief or doubt We wait in faith. Come on. Believing God's word is true to us, and his promises are yes and amen. He is a good God, and he keeps his word. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord this morning. He's worthy of all our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet just a moment? We've got a minute this morning to to just pray and talk to the Lord. But I just want if you'd bow your head just a moment and say, Lord, what are you saying to me? Some of us here today, we've learned to live without faith. Got a little money in our pocket. Got some measure of health. But yet it seems like our life is like a a box. Not much is going on. For some of us that are here today, something has been awakened today. A belief that I can do more in my life than I thought possible. A belief that because God is for me. No one can stop me. A belief that no matter how big the obstacles, the giants are, the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Hivites, God is bigger than all of that stuff. He's bigger than any problem going on in America today. He's bigger than Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. How many know he's bigger than Democrats and Republicans? God is on the throne. He's bigger than the value of our money. He's bigger than what's going on in the world towards this push towards globalism and a one-world government. God is bigger. God is bigger than bathroom bills. He's bigger than all this stuff. This is what we want to have, Lord. We want to have faith. We want to have faith that believes the Word of God. We want to have a hearing ear that hears what the Holy Spirit says. And then we want to have courage to do what you say. I want you to just tell the Lord. I want you to visualize in your mind Joshua and Caleb looking at their giants and just saying to one another, God is bigger. God is able. God said he was giving us this land. Come on, let's just begin to sing and let the Holy Spirit's presence just fall afresh on us today. We wait, Lord, for you. We wait for and we wait with confidence and hope.
1: We wait for you. Come on, we'll slip your hands to
2: heaven with me. I'll wait, God, for you.
1: We wait for
2: you. We wait for you, oh Lord.
1: To walk in the room.
2: Thank you, God. We wait for you, God. We wait How did they go here we
1: are standing in your presence here we are standing in your presence Chicago
2: Our service today with an opportunity for a personal prayer for you. I know that whenever we open the Bible and talk, how many know God talks to us? And maybe the Holy Spirit has kind of unearthed some things in your life today. Maybe there's some unfinished business that you need to take a minute and pray. Maybe you're here today and and, and you're having a hard time waiting. How many know 40 years can be a long time, four months can be a long time, four days can be a long time to stay in faith. But if you're in the middle of something now and you're having a hard time waiting, we want to pray for you. Maybe you're in a situation like Linnell was or like I was before we got a word from God. We were just kind of like, we didn't know what to do. We we felt helpless. We were aimless. We we didn't know what was going on until a word of God came. Maybe you're in a situation and, and, and you need a word from God. I could just believe today that just simply your act of faith coming to let somebody pray for you will move you one step closer to God speaking to you. But there's one most important thing I can tell you about this message today. There's one thing you don't have to wait for and you don't have to wait to get right with God. You don't have to wait to get saved. You don't have to wait to receive Christ as your Savior. You don't have to wait to turn your heart and begin to follow Christ. You can do that this morning. You can take a step right now. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not where I need to be in my relationship with God. I've been going the other direction, but today I want to turn my heart back to Christ. You may be here today and you don't know if you'd go to heaven or hell if you died. Can I tell you, friend, all that can change today if you commit your life to Christ. You don't have to work your way into heaven. You don't have to do a series of good deeds. But if you put your trust in Christ and commit to follow him, can I tell you, Jesus is a life changer. And he can do that this morning. And as we sing this next song, I'm going to encourage you. We're going to have our prayer teams going to come forward, and some are coming for prayer. But if you need to commit your life to Christ, if you need to get right with God, my friend, don't let anything stop you. When we begin to sing this song, I'm going to encourage you to just slip right over to this cross, and somebody's going to meet you there and pray for you for the greatest decision you'll ever make is committing your life to Christ. So our prayer team is coming to the front right now. Let's sing this one last time. Our prayer team is here. They're for you. You, if you want to be prayed for, if you need a connection with God before you go, if God is drawing you this altar, you come. Most importantly, if you're making a step to Christ this morning, I want to encourage you to slip over to the cross because Jesus will change your life. I love you very much. Standing in your
1: presence, here we are. Standing in your presence, kind of.
3: Gonna stay down front. So if you got any, guys need prayer for anything, we wanna we wanna encourage you to come get prayer. But uh, if not, we have donuts and fruit in the cafe. Come hang out with us, and you're dismissed. We love you guys, and pray that you have a blessed week.